Ernesto was away at college working on his master's all week, and, and uh, he asked me if I would speak. And, uh, of course, I was excited to get to share the word with you guys. So here I am. Um, but I want to start out a little different. Um, I want you guys to reflect on a book you've read, a book that, as you started reading it, you just, it just captivated you, and you just wanted to keep reading it, and, and you couldn't put the book down. And the passage that we're going to be looking at today, it's like that. Um, it's, it's a really good read. It's, you can visually get pictures in your head as you're reading through uh, First and Second Samuel. And uh, I encourage you, uh, after the service today or this week, uh, maybe look through and, and read what um, we're talking about today and, and just see the rest of it, how it unfolds. It's, it's a great place to start for reading. So um, we're going to be in First and Second Samuel today. And we're going to be covering a topic that can be a little nerve-wracking. Um, but I was working on a different sermon, and the Lord just put this on my heart. And it's, it's something that he showed me a couple years ago. And it's something that, it's a verse that I fall back to a lot. And so I wanted to share that with you and, and share what the Lord showed me through this. Um, so we're going to be in First and Second Samuel, like I said, and there's really three main characters, um, three people that is, is the main focus of this book. And the first is Samuel, which is a prophet that God raised up, and the second is King Saul. Not Saul that became Paul in the New Testament, but hundreds of years earlier, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And the third is David, and David... We all know many stories of David, and, and we're going to cover some of that. Um, but today I want to look into a couple events that the Bible covers in Saul's life and in David's life, and want to see and, and look at their response. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn, uh, it's First Samuel 13, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 14. And verse 8 says, he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Samuel went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, I saw that the people were scattering from me, and you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God from which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now the kingdom shall not continue. I've read through Samuel a number of times, and I've read verse 13 a number of times and just kept on reading. But a couple of years ago, when I read that verse, I, I, the Lord just stopped me. And, and what I was reading there, I had never realized before. We know David has the covenant with God so that the eternal kingdom goes through David, that 
through his bloodline, Jesus would be born savior of the world. But what this verse is saying right here is that had Saul not just done what he did, he would have had that blessing on him. And it just really made me think about my own life, my own sin, and blessings. We don't necessarily know what blessings the Lord has for us. But from here we can see that our blessings can possibly uh, be lost because of some sin that we have in our life. So the sermon today, we're going to talk about consequences. And through the part of this with um, Samuel um, in chapter 13, the Israelites are getting ready to fight the Philistines. And Saul knew he had to wait the seven days. He knew that this commandment, this law, came all the way back from the law of Moses, that he's not supposed to be the one that offers these burnt offerings. Samuel is supposed to be the one. And, and he broke that. And then when Samuel asked him what is going, uh, why he did this, he didn't offer and say, I'm sorry, I've sinned. He didn't say, uh, please forgive me. He blamed Samuel for being late. And then he blamed the Israelites for starting to scatter and he didn't want to lose his army force. And then he said that he was fearful of the Philistines mounting up against him, so he had to act. But nowhere in here does he actually admit that what he did was wrong or ask for forgiveness. And there's an immediate consequence. Um, so we get to see that from right here in this little bit. We, we find out two things, and the first two points are going to come quick, but this also happens in Genesis with Adam and Eve, okay? Adam ate of the fruit after Eve ate of the fruit. And when God came to talk to them and ask them if they had eaten of the fruit, Adam did the same thing as Saul. Adam did not decide to say, I'm sorry, I've sinned, please forgive me. Adam said, Eve gave me the fruit to eat. Adam blamed Eve. And then when God went to Eve and asked Eve what she had done, Eve didn't do that either. Eve blamed the serpent. Okay? And if you go and read in Genesis chapter 3 uh, this week on your time, you'll see that there are consequences to Adam, to Eve, and to the serpent from that event. Um, that brought sin into the world. That separated us from God. And in that moment there were consequences to the sin. Just as with Samuel in, in this verse, to where Samuel, he could have been contrite, he could have asked for forgiveness, he could have taken ownership of what he had did. He didn't do any of those. Okay, so the first point that I just want to bring in is that all sin brings consequences. It, it brings consequences then, and it brings them now. Um, just because we're um, under the blood of Jesus, we don't have free reign to do whatever we want, and, and it's just covered. Um, and in fact, I don't have the verse in there, but 1 John 1, 9, that verse says, if we um, 
um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right there we see when we have our sin, we're still supposed to take that to the Lord. We're still supposed to um, do that. But what I learned from that verse right there is if I just let my sin go, there's going to be consequences. I'm going to have consequences, and I might also, which is point two, I might lose blessings. Blessings can be lost as a result of sin. Right? So we see Saul here. Saul has a blessing coming that he's not even aware of, and he loses that because of what he did. And he doesn't learn from it. So... The next event that I want to cover is also with Saul, but it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and then verse 9. Um, So Samuel 15, verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So this command is very clear. Saul is to take the army of Israel and wipe out the Amalekites. And leave nothing. Don't bring anything back. Nothing. And if we go to verse 9, we, we get to see what Saul does. And it starts out and it says, but Saul. So here's his command. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. So he didn't listen at all. And he didn't learn from the first circumstance. And then, I, I don't have the verses in here, but if you, if you, you can go through and, and read it a little bit later. Samuel comes to ask Saul what he did and why he did it. And Saul's consequence this time is not only did he lose the eternal throne in chapter 13, but in chapter 15, he's now going to lose his current throne. His throne's going to be taken from him. And in fact, when Samuel's done talking with him, it says the spirit of the Lord left Saul. So he didn't really learn from his first instance and, and how big sin is to God. And it still is big to God today. You know, but so the, we're looking at this verse and we can see, again, here's Saul's consequence for not listening and obeying God again. He is now going to lose his kingdom and he ends up dying in the battlefield, taking his own life so that others can't kill him. So, and that's how it ends for Saul. But, Saul had that blessing coming. Saul had a, a blessing coming that, that we would have been talking about him as, as one of the covenants with God. Um, it's, it's a big deal. And as I was 
going through and reading this and, and just thinking of my own life, it, it's real for us too. Our, our sin, it matters to God and it matters how we deal with it. It matters that we, we can see a way not to do it from Saul um, and, and then there, there should be a right way to do it. So to cover a right way, that's now where we're gonna bring David in. And David ends up becoming king of Israel. David ends up getting the covenant and the eternal throne to come from his bloodline. Um, but we're all sinful people, right? And, and David sins as well. And we're going to go over to Second Samuel, and we're going to go to verse 11, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, and verse 2 through 5. And so David is at home. His army is, is at battle, and he's at home. And this is what happens. We're going to start with verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So here's the first thing that David does. David sees this woman. Now, the Lord's already blessed him with many wives. He has many wives. He sees this woman, and he takes Uriah's wife for himself. And then she gets pregnant. So now what's David going to do, right? Well, what happens when you start sinning and you don't deal with your sin? You usually add on to that sin. So David now has a situation where he wants to bring Uriah back and have Uriah have time at home so that it will look like the baby is Uriah's. And Uriah refuses to do that when he's brought back because all of his brothers are at war and he feels that he should be there and he shouldn't get any privileges through that time. So that doesn't work. So now David has tried two things to cover it and it hasn't worked. And now he's thinking, he's like, I'm going to have to have Uriah killed. So like I said, First and Second Samuel, it's awesome reading. It's, it's, I would really encourage you to, to go through it if you haven't yet. So David uh, wrote a letter to Joab and literally handed it to Uriah. Uriah went back to the war with his own death in his hand and didn't know it. And he ends up getting put to the front of the army and he ends up dying. So now David can just have Bathsheba as another wife. So, but there's a consequence to this. And at this time, Samuel has died and Nathan is the prophet that is now um, over Israel and brings the messages of what God has and judgments and, and those things. So we're going to go to Second Samuel and verse 
12, I'm sorry, chapter 12, and verse 7 through 14. And we're going to see what happens from all of these things that David has just done. And in verse 7, it says, Nathan said to David, You are the man, thus says the Lord of God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword, the sword, oh my word, sorry about that. The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbors. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So we see the difference of what Saul did when a prophet from God came to ask him about what he had done. And, and when we see the difference with what David did, David didn't make excuses. He didn't try to blame anybody else. David's response is, I have sinned against the Lord. It's a, a much different response. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who's born to you shall die then Nathan went to his house. So even though David's response is the correct response and is the response that the Lord wants from us, there's still consequences to our sin. We don't escape that. David took Uriah's wife, then tried to hide it by having him come back home and, and make it logical that it could be Uriah's child, and then had Uriah killed. So, but because of the way that David confessed his sin and took the ownership of his sin, the Lord didn't say that you're going to die. The Lord didn't take away the blessing of the covenant of the eternal throne from him. But there were still consequences, and those were big consequences. And there are some blessings that David also missed out on um, from this event. So the first thing that it says is that evil will rise up against your own house. David's sons end up going after each other um, over the kingdom. And David lost all of his wives. There's, there's two consequences. And the third consequence is the child. The, the child was not allowed to live. And the child died. So th those were the three consequences for David, for that sin. So, future blessings. David wanted to build the temple. It was one of the things he wanted. He wanted to build the temple that God would reside in, in Jerusalem. But he wasn't allowed to do it. He was told no. And he was told no because God said that you have blood on your hands. And that blood on his hands was from Uriah. 
And, and so because of that, that blessing, something that he really wanted to do, he didn't get to do. So it just, reading through this, reading, and the Lord just opened it up to me and it just really made me look at my own life. It made me really think about my sin. It made me really think about how long, you know, sometimes you just don't want to give in and, and, and say that you're sorry, that uh, you, you shouldn't be angry at this person, things like that. You, you want to hold on to that. I want to do that. I, I, I battle with anger. I do. And sometimes I was talking to Ernesto one day and there was a bad week at the house and I'm like, I just don't want to do the right thing. I didn't want to. And he laughed at me. And, uh, but that same day with talking with my brother, uh, I did repent and confess that sin that day. And the house was a lot better after that. So it matters. What, what I want you to see and what, and, and from this, sin has consequence. And it matters how you deal with your sin. If, if you've you know, just gotten to the point where you, you have a recurring sin over and over and over again, and you've prayed and, and you keep doing it, and, and now you're just not praying anymore. You need to not let that go. You need to bring that to the Lord, and you need to, to try and work on that. I know for me personally, when I'm trying to work, when I know my anger is back up at a heightened level, I pray about it, but I don't just pray about it on a Sunday and then wait for it to get better. I pray for it at night. I pray for it in the morning. And when my anger does start to flare up, I pray for it right then. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, he's there and he's going to convict you of that. And more times than not, you have the opportunity before you walk through that, you have that choice. You know, um, Last week, Ernesto talked about angels, and his last point, his last point was that God commands the angels, not us. And, and this ties right in with this because God gave us free will. We can choose when that sin comes on us to obey God and to turn from it and to lay it at his feet and to not do it. All of us, me included. And that was just, it was, it's such a strong point. We have the free will. Saul had the free will to wait for Samuel. And Saul may have had the blessing of the eternal throne. David had all the wives that he needed. And he could have turned and walked away and, and not done those things. We have those choices. God has given us those choices. But the Holy Spirit, if we're praying on that, and if... The, the Holy Spirit is going to, if you're praying about it that much, before you get ready to do it, you're going to hear, stop it. You're, 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 you're going to be told, don't do this. And then you're going to have to choose to walk across that line. And that's what the important thing is here. We're, we're all sinful, we're going to sin, but we don't want to leave it. We don't want to let it go and, and let it become worse and let something else pile on top of it, you know? And, um, but David's response should be our response. 
David said, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, it doesn't matter if someone made you mad. It doesn't matter if the car pulled right in front of you and you had to slam on your brakes or you're parked on the highway and two different times and cars come and crash right into you like it's happened to my son this year. Um, What matters is your response. And what matters is to take it to the Lord. And so I just, I wanted to share this with you today. I wanted um, you to see that sin isn't just like, oh yeah, I have my pet sin. It isn't just that, okay, I can just ask for forgiveness and, and we're good. Sin is a really meaningful thing to God. And my last point that I want to bring with this is God has not changed his position on sin or on consequences or on blessings. It's the same today as it was back and then. You know, it's instead of having a prophet, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to come to us and, and put that stuff on our hearts. But it still works the same way. And so I just wanted to encourage you to be able to see this, to be able to, like I said, when, when I'm starting to battle with something, I'll go back to this and I'll read this and, and I, I don't want to lose a blessing. And so I know the correct way is to admit my sin, confess my sin. And um, that is uh, what I wanted to bring with you guys today and share with you today. So um, let's... Uh, bow in prayer, and then we will have communion. Heavenly Father, I know this is a tough subject, Lord, and, and no one uh, often likes to take a look at the sin that's in their lives. And Lord, but through the story with Saul, through David, we, we see what sin means to you, Lord, and we see that there's consequences and we see that it could cost us blessings, Lord. And, and I just pray that, uh, that we can use this today and we can apply it to our lives, Lord, and, and, and we can work harder to honor and glorify you, Lord, because we are your children. And uh, just pray that you'll prepare our hearts, Lord, as we get ready to take communion. And we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in your name. Amen.